In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Let us read some verses from Second Thessalonians chapter 2, starting from verse 1. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, so now he will tell us about the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him. That's what we call it rapture, when people will be caught up to meet the Lord on the clouds. We ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. At that time, people thought that Christ is coming very soon, and some false teachers were preaching that Christ is coming very, very soon, to the extent that some people quit their works and just they were waiting for the coming of Christ. So St. Paul is telling them, don't be shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or letter, as if from us. So first teacher, to give credibility, they, they said, we heard Paul said so and so. We heard Peter said so and so. So he said, no, about the day of Christ. Day of Christ, the second coming. Let no one deceive you by any means. For that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. So here St. Paul is giving two sure signs. Two sure signs that the second coming of the Lord or we call it parousia, parousia is the second coming of the Lord, is very near. The first uh, sure sign is what he call it falling away. Falling away. Or you may hear it apostasy. Apostasy or falling away. That is the first sign. The second sign and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. Who is the man of sin? Who is the son of perdition? That is the Antichrist, the person who will come and say, I am Christ, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that's worshipped. So this man will put himself even above God and above God who is truly worshipped because he comes with the spirit of the devil and the devil wanted to put his throne above the throne of God so that he sits as God in the temple of God showing himself that he is God he will say I am God and he will demand from the people to worship him. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? 
So when St. Paul was visiting Thessalonica, he was preaching and telling them about the sure signs before the coming of Christ. And now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. There is a power that is restraining Satan from revealing the man of sin. This power is the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit is restraining the revelation of the man of sin. And now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. There is time appointed by God for the Antichrist to be revealed. That's why the Holy Spirit will be restraining through the grace of the Holy Spirit from the he will be restraining the, the man of sin from appearing. During this time, for the mystery of lawlessness is already in work. So, from Christ until now, we see people who are sinful, committed sin, how sin prevails in some area. So that the mystery of lawlessness is work is at work. Only He, capital, the Holy Spirit, who now restrains, will do so until he is taken out of the way. When this grace, the grace of the Holy Spirit, will be taken out of the way, what will happen? Then Satan will be released from his bondage and the man of sin will appear and the evil and the sin in the world will be as worse or maybe more than before Christ in the Old Testament. So, before the second coming of Christ, there will be a period, that's the time of the great tribulation. There will be a period that evil will prevail in the world. to be like or more than the Old Testament before the grace of God. Because the grace of God came with the incarnation of the Son of God. As we read in John chapter 1, the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth by Jesus Christ. So now the mystery of lawlessness is at work. But when the grace of the Holy Spirit will be removed, it will be much, much, much worse. And then, verse 8, the lawless one will be revealed. Who is the lawless one? The Antichrist. Whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth. And destroy his brightness of his coming and destroy and destroy the, the man of sin with the brightness of his coming. So this man of sin, although the, he will have power, but just at the end of the war between God and Satan, 
God will destroy and consume the man of sin by the breath of his mouth. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan. Satan will put all his power in him. With all power, signs and lying wonders. Lying wonders. He will do miracles. He will do wonders, but it's lying wonders. With all unrighteous deception among those who perish. Satan is a deceiver. And the spirit of the Antichrist will be the spirit of deception. You need, you need to be very, very aware lest you be deceived. Lest you be deceived. Because people will be deceived and those who will be deceived will perish. Because they did not receive the love of truth. What will protect you from being deceived is the love of the truth. Love of the truth. That they might be saved. Those who will love the truth and abide by the truth will be saved. Otherwise, they will be deceived. And for this reason, which reason they don't like the truth, God will send them a strong delusion that they should believe the lie. Sometimes nowadays, this verse actually click with, with me when I, I hear people speaking about, for example, transgenderism. And there are four genders. When you book ticket on major airlines, you will choose from four genders. And people believe this delusion. Because they, they are ready to believe a lie. I don't want to speak about politics because I, I believe in the separation of the state and the church. But the equality rights that they are proposing right now, it's against our religious freedom. And it is to believe a lie and to support a lie. For this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth. All will be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Those who had pleasure in unrighteousness, who support same-sex marriage, who support abortion, who support transgenderism, who had pleasure in unrighteousness, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. That's the part that I wanted to read from Second Thessalonians chapter 2. I'll speak to you today about falling away or apostasy. As St. Paul said in verse uh, 3, let no one deceive you by any means, for that day, the second coming of Christ, will not come unless the falling away comes first. Falling away or apostasy means, in Arabic, falling away 
or apostasy. Falling away or apostasy has many forms, many forms. But the one factor that actually hold all these forms together is they don't believe the truth. So what are the forms of apostasy? First form is atheism. Not believing in God. Atheism is one word, but under this word there are many, many forms of atheism. It's not the time to, to address all these forms. Like, but for, for example, people who say you are agnostic. Gnosis means knowledge. Agnostic, I don't know. So you tell them, do you believe in God? His answer, like, I'm agnostic. What do you mean you are agnostic? I don't know. Maybe there is God. Maybe there is not. I, I, I'm not sure. I don't know. So that's another form of uh, uh, atheism. Or people who believe in uh, a higher power. Call it God. Call it energy. Call it whatever. That, that there is a higher power. That's another form of, of atheism. So that's one form of apostasy. And unfortunately, many of our people right now, especially among the younger generation, they are drifting away into atheism, uh, becoming agnostic, etc. Uh, another form of apostasy to start following other denominations that they don't hold the truth. For example, Mormonism. Mormons believe they will become gods. I remember I asked a person who was Mormon, he told me, I am God to my son, to my children. And I told him, God was a small G or capital G. He told me, capital G. So that's another form of atheism. Because they don't believe in the truth. They believe in delusion. They believe in lie. They believe in reincarnation. <coughs> that after you die, you will be born again. To be purified. And with every time, you will be God. Another form of apostasy is eliminating the differences between all religions and all denominations. If you are Christian, good. If you are atheist, good. If you are Muslim, good. 
If you are Buddhist, good. It's just different belief systems. What works for you is good for you. Or within Christianity, people who do not actually hold to the truth, they compromise the truth. And they say Orthodox, Catholic, Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Episcopal, Anglican, you know, everything is okay. By logic, it is impossible that all these things are true at the same time. There is only one who holds the truth and the others are not. Another form of atheism is the new theology, modern theology, that compromises basic and essential doctrinal and dogmatic belief. For example, one of the arguments of the atheist they say how a merciful God punishes the people. So some theologian, Christian theologian, said, okay, no punishment at all. There is nothing called punishment. Even the cross has nothing to do with the punishment. It's only love. And in the divine liturgy, we say, you, O oh Master, have turned my punishment into salvation. So this new theology is attacking the basic principle of the incarnation of the Son of God and attacking the important and essential doctrines upon which Christianity is built. Another form of, of apostasy is the wrong interpretation to the concepts of love, acceptance, forgiveness, etc. For example, if we speak against homosexuality, we will be attacked as non-loving people who are judgmental, who are condemning people. And I hear some of our wonderful youth and some of our Sunday school servants, they say, no, if we love them, we need to accept them as they are. No changes are required. God accepts us to transform us to change us. And there is difference between loving the person and approving the sin. If you love somebody, you need actually to help him to be saved, not to encourage him in the wrong way. 
For example, if you are driving from here, Houston, to Dallas, you are going to take uh, 45 North. But if you see somebody going to Dallas, that's his destination, but instead of taking 45 North, he took 10 East. Then you say, you know, I love him. I'm not going to correct him. If I correct him, I'll be judgmental. <laughs> Is this love? Actually, if you love him, you tell him no. If you are going to take 10 East, it will take you to Florida, not to Dallas. If you want to take Dallas, you're wrong. You need to make you turn and go in the right direction. That's the true love. But people don't understand nowadays. They tell you, if you love the homosexual, that's fine. Let them marry. Why you are sending against same-sex marriage? Because you are not loving. You are a judgmental person. You condemn them. This is not the spirit of Christ. They preaching different Christianity than what we received through the Holy Spirit in the Scripture. This is not the Christianity that Christ has preached. And again, it is a form of apostasy. Because apostasy is to believe a lie. To believe delusion. That's apostasy. Another form of apostasy is considering religious activity just a form of activity that's not essential for our life. What do I mean by this? Like a family has activities to their children, they take them music classes, they go sport, they go swimming, take them to Sunday school, take them to liturgy. So all these just activities. And maybe the priority of these activities is different for some families. Church and Sunday school comes number four or five. Number one, sport. That's why if I'm busy, the first thing I will cancel is the church. Because I don't see uh, worship is essential as the air that we breathe, the food that we eat. We don't see our worship as essential to our survival as the air and as the food. So we can eliminate it from our agenda very easily. And comes with this point the superficiality in, in worship. Our relationship with God is so superficial. Just I come to the church, attend, totally distracted, distracted, totally disconnected. Just at the end, I take communion. 
and I leave and taking communion, no difference in my life. And I feel no difference whether I attended the church or not, I pray or not, I read the scripture or not, I fast or not. And the last form of apostasy, when we think that the ultimate goal of Christianity is to make us moral people with good morality. I heard some youth tell me, if I am morally good, then I don't need to come to the church. Church is there to teach me to be good, not to steal, not to lie, not to commit adultery. So if I'm living this way, why I come to the church? And here I want to explain to you that the ultimate goal of Christianity is not morality. Morality is a byproduct of becoming Christian, but this is not the goal. Maybe some of you say the goal is salvation, to be saved from the punishment and the fire of hell. But I'm telling you, even salvation is not the goal of the incarnation of the Son of God. The goal of the incarnation of the Son of God, as Saint Athanasius said, God became Son of Man in order to make man Son of God. The ultimate goal of Christianity is to be one with God. That's why Christ presented himself as the bridegroom. And he wants to be united with us, to be in union with God. So God did not came just to deliver us from the captivity by Satan. No. He has another goal far beyond this, which is to be one with me and to make me one with him. Because in him I will be son of God the Father. Through this oneness, yes, my morality will improve. I will have good morals. Through this union, I'll be saved from the bondage of sin and from the captivity of the devil. But I want you to know that the ultimate goal of Christianity is to be one with the Son of God and to abide in the Holy Trinity. Many of us who do not understand this, they ask a question. I have a friend who is not Christian, but he's very, very good. What God would do for him at the last day? Is he going to be saved? But the ultimate goal is to be united with, with Christ and to abide in the Holy Trinity. If the ultimate goal is salvation, just to save us from the bondage of sin, maybe God can send Archangel Michael and can finish this. Archangel Michael got in, in, in fight with Satan and defeated Satan. 
But God became son of man to make us children of God. And he presented himself to us as the bridegroom. And we are his bride. I want you to understand this very well. So, after we discussed several forms of apostasy, I want all of us not to be deceived by all these false philosophies, false ideology around us. Don't be deceived. Because for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. Because they did not receive the love of truth, that they might be saved. We need to abide in the truth. If the ultimate goal is to be united with God, then I have a question for each one of us. How important for you to have a personal relationship with God? Is your knowledge about God, is knowledge just what you heard about Him or you experience Him? How many of us experience God in our life? You will not actually seek this relationship with God unless you feel that you need it. You know, in marriage, if some, if some youth are self-sufficient and focused on their work or their career or science, maybe they will not be interested in marriage because they feel they don't need another one in their life. In the same way, if we don't feel that we need God in our life, then why you are going to pursue a personal relationship with Him? Now, we are pursuing other gods. We are pursuing money, power, pleasure, prestige, knowledge and we feel that we need all these things that's why in Jeremiah chapter 9 and verse 23 the Lord said thus says the Lord let not the wise man glory in his wisdom let not the mighty man glory in his might nor let the rich man glory in his riches, but let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, 
and righteousness in the earth. For in this I delight, says the Lord. What are you pursuing in your life? Last Sunday, the gospel told us, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What are you seeking? Are you seeking personal relationship with God? Or seeking wisdom, knowledge, might, riches, glory, prestige? Let me give you a homework to think about it. Especially you are fasting now during this season of fasting. Do you feel that you need God? And I want you to be very honest with yourself. Do I really need God? And if you say yes, then my second question, why do you need God? Why do you feel that you need God in your life? Why? Do you know what are your needs? What are your needs? If I give you a piece of paper, told you write down your needs. What are your needs? Are your needs temporal or eternal? Are your needs earthly or heavenly? Are your needs related to this world or related to the world to come? Another question, do you believe that God can fulfill and satisfy your needs or not? What if you have an earthly need and God did not fulfill it? How are you going to react to this? Are you going to be upset, mad, disappointed with God? Or you trust him with your life, knowing that everything will work out together for good to those who love God. I want you to think about these questions. Do you need God? Why why you need God? Why do you need God in your life? What are your needs? Are your needs temporal or eternal? Do you believe that God will satisfy them? What about the needs that you prayed about for a long time and you did not get it? You want certain school, you want certain job, etc. What about this? Then I like to conclude with some practical steps to protect ourselves from apostasy and from the spirit of delusion and from the spirit of lie in order not to be deceived by the spirit of the Antichrist. 
Number one, as I told you, study well what are your goals and what are your needs. What is your ultimate goal in this life? And do you have goal for the afterlife or not? Saint Arsani, every morning, he used to remind himself, remember Arsani, the goal for which you left the world. It's very, very easy to be distracted. It's very easy to live without a goal, without a purpose. But every night before you sleep, ask yourself, what's my goal in this life? What I want to pursue? What I want to accomplish in my life? And what are my needs? And how I am fulfilling my needs? That's number one. Number two, start by pursuing experiential relationship with God. You heard about God so many years. It's enough. I want you to start experiencing God. And sometimes to experience God, God may allow you to go through trial. Because sometimes the trial make you experience God. That's why St. Paul of Tammu said, no, no, St. Paul the first term, said, he who runs away from trial runs away from God. Do you know who knew God through trial? Job. Job, after the trial, he said, I heard about you, but now I have seen you. It's a good time now while we are fasting to start this experiential relationship with God, to experience Him. Fight with Him like Jacob. Tell Him, I will not let you go until you bless me, until I feel you in my life. I want to experience you. I want to feel you. I want to hear you. I want to touch you. I want to see you. You told us, ask and you shall receive. But if God's way for you to see him, to put you into trial, don't grumble. Don't complain. Just accept his will. Number three, Study and know the truth. And let the love of the truth grow in your heart. Not only to study the truth, but to love the truth. As we read in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 10, 
and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth. They did not receive the love of the truth. You shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. Don't be conforming to this society, to the world. The world is driven by a lying spirit, by delusion. When I see what's going on around us every day, I see the spirit of lie, the spirit of delusion is controlling the mind of the people. When people speak about more than two genders, that is a spirit of lie, the spirit of delusion that St. Paul spoke about it here in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Study, know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Don't let doubtful thoughts grow in your heart and in your mind without exposing them. The world around us brainwash us. And if you allow these thoughts to enter, day after day, you will believe them. Not because they are true, but because you kept these thoughts without exposing them to the Son of Righteousness. Expose your thoughts first by first. Expose your thoughts always to your spiritual father, to your spiritual mentor. Don't let these thoughts grow within you. Also, beside reading in all these philosophies and ideologies, be careful what you read and be selective in what you read in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 12 King Solomon says and further my son be admonished by this of making many books there is no end and much study is wearisome to the flesh. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. So, King Solomon is saying, there are many books. Many books means many ideas, many philosophies. But not all of them are true. That's why much study in these false books is wearisome. But the conclusion of the whole matter, fear God, 
Keep his commandments, for this is man's all. Another point, surround yourself with spiritual people who actually hold fast to the truth, who experience God in their life, who can lift you up spiritually. St. Paul said, but company corrupts good morals. And finally, don't look at what is seen, but consider what is unseen. Because what you see is temporal, but what you do not see is eternal. St. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. If you follow these practical advices, they will protect you from the spirit of apostasy, from the spirit of delusion, from the spirit of falsehood, from the spirit of lie that's growing now in the world, growing around us. Don't be deceived. Love the truth. Abide in the truth, and the truth will set you free. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.